Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. So I want you to pay attention in this episode to the references to not only light and darkness, which we talked about last week, Tour working his way through the darkness, following the signs, this feeling that he needs to move in this specific direction. In some ways, you can liken this to faith, having faith that the world around him is helping him along. That the powers that he doesn't really even understand at this point are somehow on his side. And this is shown a few different ways. The contrast between darkness and light. The moving from a dangerous situation into something that looks perilous but ends up rewarding him. And even symbols of nature, the water, and eventually the air, and the creatures along the way. Last week, we ended with him hearing the calls of some birds. And at first, he was afraid. What are these strange fey voices, he calls them? And eventually understands that these are birds that he has never seen before. Seabirds. In today's episode, there will be some firsts. Some really cool first events in the history of Middle-earth. And they might at first seem mundane, but they're powerful for reasons that I'll explain. So here we go. Let's get into it. So Tour falls asleep, and the next morning he is awoken by these same strange voices above his head. He looks up and sees three great white birds. Remember the symbolism here, white birds, beating down the ravine against the westerly wind as their strong wings shone in the new risen sun. Immediately, we are given symbols and words that mean something. White birds, there's a purity in white, coming from the west, the lands of the Valar. Or if they're not all the way from the westerly lands, they are at least from the west, from that direction. And there are winds, birds and winds. Now we are reminded of Manway. Is Manway somehow involved in this? And the rising of the sun. A new light, a new day, is dawning for Tour. And Tolkien tells us something that's very interesting here. This is the first time that he ever saw gulls, seabirds. And specifically, these seabirds 
are beloved of the Teleri. So we are given another hint that maybe these birds actually do come from across the ocean, or at least they are of the same species of birds that may live along the shores of both lands. And Tour decides to follow them. Again, another one of those decisions where he's given a sign and he follows. And good things happen because of this. He makes his way up a cliff in order to get higher up, closer to these birds. And the wind rushes against his face. Again, we're reminded this is a great wind out of the west. And we're given this scene here, which seems like, I don't know, the cover of a romance novel, like Fabio standing at the top of a cliff while the sun's rising with his hair streaming behind him. And specifically, Tolkien writes, his hair streamed from his head. And he drank deep of that new air and said, this uplifts the heart like the drinking of cool wine. But he knew not that the wind came fresh from the great sea. This is Tours' first touch, his first contact with the ocean, although indirectly. And we know that there's that longing inside his heart for the sea, but He doesn't yet know exactly what that is. And then we're given this really interesting scene here. It says, Now Tour went on once more, seeking the gulls high above the river. And as he went, the sides of the ravine drew together again. And he came to a narrow channel, and it was filled with a great noise of water. And looking down, Tour saw a great marvel, as it seemed to him... For a wild flood came up the narrows and strove with the river that would still press on, and a wave like a wall rose up almost to the clifftop, crowned with foam crests flying in the wind. In this moment, Tour realizes that had he not followed these birds, that he would have been swept away by this river or crushed by the boulders that were forced off the sides of this cliff face down where he was before. But now he's standing above the rushing torrent of water. And whenever we hear water, especially strong movements of water like this, we want to think of Ulmo. Is this another sign from Ulmo to keep moving forward? Don't turn back. You're making the right decisions. Is there some coordination here between Olmo and Manwe to guide Tour to his destiny? The waters frighten him, and he decides to keep moving on. He turns aside and goes southward, and eventually comes to the long shores of the Firth of Drangist. And when we hear long shores, we think, oh, he must have finally gotten to the ocean. But not quite yet. These shores are more like an expanse of desert, an area of limited trees and plants that have been, has been swept by the sea and the winds. And so he continues on. And we're told that in this way, Tour passed into the borders of Nevrest, where once Turgen had dwelt. He doesn't know it, but he is on the trail of Turgon, the High King of Gondolin, who used to live in this area with his elves and eventually moved to the Hidden City. 
And then we get this passage. And at last at unawares, for the cliff tops at the margin of the land were higher than the slopes behind, he came suddenly to the black brink of Middle Earth and saw the great sea, Belaguer, the shoreless. Now, I looked up the pronunciation of Belaguer, and it's actually something more like Belaguer or something like I can't I can't even make those sounds with my mouth. So uh, we're just going to go with Belaguer. And the word Belaguer actually means great sea in Sindarin. The roots there are Belig, like Belig Strongbow, which means mighty or strong, and Air, A-E-R, which means sea. This sea was also known by the the name in Quenyan, Alatere, or maybe Alatere, which sounds kind of French to me, but it is not. It's Quenyan. And the passage goes on with some other interesting details. And at that hour, the sun went down beyond the rim of the world as a mighty fire. And Tour stood alone upon the cliff with outspread arms, and a great yearning filled his heart. He finally sees the sea, the ocean, himself, standing at the top of this cliff with his arms outstretched, knowing that this is where he's supposed to be. It is said that he was the first of men to reach the great sea and that none save the Eldar have ever felt more deeply the longing that it brings. This is doing two things here. It's first of all noting to us that although the Adain have been in these lands, or at least lands near here, for generations now, none of them have actually made it as far west as the sea ever. No men, none of mankind, has made it this far west. Tour is the closest human to the Valar ever. And secondly... His longing for the sea is only topped by the elves themselves, and most likely the ones that have been to Valinor, who know what the blessed land holds, because they experienced it themselves. And next we're given an explanation about why he stays here for many days. He actually makes this kind of an encampment. It, do it doesn't say encampment, but he spends a good bit of time here. It's described as being a fenced-in area close to the sea. There are mountains that are bordering it. The weather here is more mild than the plains of Hithlam, where he's from. And on top of that, there's no lack of food. It's springtime. There are birds and creatures everywhere. Somebody who is used to being out on their own, hunting for their own survival, has lots of opportunity here to thrive but we're reminded that he's alone it says in those days no voice of elves or men was heard in all the solitude so although he is safe and he is fed and he is comfortable he is still alone during his time here he explores a bit he he actually seeks out some of the areas nearby here and eventually turns back because the forests of reeds and plants and some of the landscape is a little bit difficult to traverse but ultimately it's the sea that draws him back and he comes back to that area and he continues to explore 
And we're told this. In the shorelands, Tour first found traces of the Noldor of old. Tour is rediscovering the history of the elves, the Noldor, the ones who came from Valinor. And this area is very close to the actual shore where the sons of Feanor and Feanor himself landed the stolen boats of the Teleri. For among the tall and sea-hewn cliffs south of Drangist, which is the area he's in right now, there were many coves and sheltered inlets with beaches of white sand among the black gleaming rocks. Isn't that a beautiful image? And leading down to such places, Tour found often winding stairs cut in the living stone. Stairs cut in stone are not naturally occurring things. These were made by somebody. And by the water edge were ruined quays built of great blocks hewn from the cliffs where elven ships had once been moored. In those regions, Tour long remained, watching the sea changing ever, while through spring and summer, the slow year wore on. And then we're told this, and darkness deepened in Beleriand, and the autumn of the doom of Nargothrond drew near. Can you imagine being somebody who is just reading this for the first time, who doesn't know the history of all of these things, who hasn't read the Silmarillion? What the heck is a Nargothrond, <laughs> right? But we know, we know Nargothrond is another city of the elves that is doomed to be destroyed shortly. And Tour doesn't know much about this either. All he knows is that for this time, he's comfortable and he's able to discover some of the history of this land, history of the Noldor, the very people that he is seeking to find. And it's like he's getting a tour of their history. Tour, not tour, 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 as in, you know, you know what I mean? Like going to see all these different things rather than the name tour. Very similar words, it occurs to me as I say that. But he can't stay there forever. And after spending a few months here, a few seasons, he's reminded that he needs to keep moving. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, OK, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. 
Hopefully, this is the last time you hear this ad, because with Chime Checking Account, features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts. Or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. That's chime.com goals 24. Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. We are moving into 2024. Incredible. I hope you had a wonderful holiday, whatever holiday you happen to celebrate and a happy new year. And I'm excited to get even further into the unfinished tales, because as you can see, as we go through this, if you remember the story from before, there are a lot of details in this story, this version of tour story that we don't get otherwise. And this is a really cool glimpse, at least I think so, and I hope you do too, of seeing him experience and uncovering the nature of the world, the history of the elves, all of these things. So it's very cool stuff. Also, it's the middle of the show. I got to thank the patrons. Welcome to our new patrons. Holy moly. We got a bunch of new people who have signed up over the holidays. I'm going to go through the list and then I'll get through the list of our uh, VIP patrons as quickly as possible. But welcome to, uh, first of all, Nostrils of Sauron. Wonderful name. Welcome. Billy G. Jeezer. Uh, Seiju, I think is how you pronounce it. Seiju. Uh, Lucas. J. Eggs. Vandy Knight. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Andy L. Lore FC and Mark M. Welcome to the Patreon, everybody. Thank you for signing up and being here. Uh, I hope you're feeling comfortable. Go get yourself a drink. They're right over there. Uh, pull up a chair. Uh, any of that stuff. And also, I got to thank the VIP patrons. Let's get through the list. Here we go. AK Music Lover, Anakin Skywalker, Apollo, Aragorn III, Austin C, Azelrazzle, Barney D, Bo, Black Squirrel, Brandy D, Chewbacca, Cutter Metalworks, Darth Feanor, David S, David M, Drupal, Esoteric Rage, Fulcrum, Gemma D, Jesse P, J Eggs, a new one, Jeezer, another new one, Jo Kim B, Kate L, Katie S, Capenna 009, Lore FC, another new one, Lori B, Nick K, Nostrils of Sauron, also new, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Peace Lutheran Church, Sam B, Sauron for Life, J, or Seiju, thank, welcome, uh, Swiggy Swoo, TJT, Tour Son of Whore, and Tyler M. Thank you for all of the support, for all of you for being here through 2023. I'm excited about 2024. I hope you are as well. And 
you guys know how all this stuff works. If you want to help support the show, go to patreon.com slash L-O-T-R Lorecast. And you also can leave reviews and things like that. We actually have two new reviews that came in on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. I'll read it out. This one comes from Lord Anolip, maybe is how you pronounce that, from Belgium. Uh, great podcast. I just found this podcast and I'm already committed to listening to all the episodes. I have read the Silmarillion a few times, but never understood it as well as I'm starting to now. He really knows what he's talking about and he knows how to explain it in a very in a, a way everyone can understand. Thanks for the podcast. Well, thank you for taking the time to leave that. Then we have one from Florida man. I'm a Florida man. Uh, five eight zero three four eight three. In case you needed the number from the U.S. who writes warning, this podcast is addictive. I was looking for a new podcast and stumbled on this and gave it a try with low expectations. It's been two weeks and I've abandoned all other shows and I'm 60 episodes deep. Holy moly. Like many people, I think I love the movies, read some of the books, but never the Silmarillion. And this podcast makes all the Lord of the Rings lore accessible to simple folks like me. Do the enthusiastic thumbs up. Well, thank you for being uh, one of the simple folks that uh, I'm a simple folk as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you for leaving those. And if you would like to share this with your friends and family or leave a rating on Spotify or any other platform you listen to, those are other ways to help out. Thanks for being here, everybody. All right, let's move on with the story. So birds again, that's what happens next. You're probably like, wait, same birds show back up? No, actually, different birds. We know that there's different kinds of wildlife that are in this area that he followed birds to come here. But things change. He's spent a significant amount of time. And then all of a sudden, it says here, one day as Tour sat upon the shore, he heard the rush and whine of great wings. And he looked up and saw seven white swans flying in a swift wedge southward. He was drawn to this area by three white birds, and he is now given the sign of seven white swans. Three, seven. These seem like numbers that show up pretty regularly in our society, in history. Three that's the trinity if you look in religious circles seven typically a sign of good luck or completion numbers in history have had very specific meanings and to specific people groups i know for a fact having studied biblical history that specific numbers show up in the bible because they meant something to the ancient hebrews there is a meaning behind them i wouldn't doubt that there's a meaning here as well and unlike the other birds, which were seabirds that Tour had never seen before, he was familiar with swans and were actually told that he loved swans. It says he knew them from the great pools of Mithrum, and the swan, moreover, had been the token of Anael and his foster folk. He associates swan with elves. So they're familiar and they're friendly. He, he thinks that these are a good sign right off the bat, unlike the other birds, which he thought were strange at first. He rose, therefore, to greet the birds and called to them, marveling to behold that they were greater and prouder than any of their kind that he had seen before. This might be a sign. Large, great, proud birds like eagles 
may be associated with Manway. But they beat their wings and uttered harsh cries as if they were wroth with him and would drive him from the shore. Then with a great noise, they rose again from the water and flew above his head so that the rush of their wings blew upon him as a whistling wind. And wheeling in a wide circle, they ascended into the high air and went away south. And Tour cries out at this point, Here now comes another sign that I have tarried too long. He's starting to understand how to read the signs. He knows this is not a bad thing that they call out to him and try to usher him to the south. He knows that this is a symbol. There's something going on here. And so he climbs to the top of a cliff and he looks at the swans high in the sky, wheeling around. And he turns southward and sets off. And as he continues to the south, we're given one of those famous descriptions about the landscape changing and all of that. Basically, the cliffs give way to flatter, wooded areas, and eventually a line of hills that bars the way. It marches westward up into the mountains. And we're told a dark and cloud-helmed tower reared upon mighty shoulders above a great green cape thrust out into the sea. Picture that. He's following the coastline south into some hills, and he sees a dark, cloud-helmed tower, a very tall tower, out on a, like a precipice, a little peninsula, maybe, out into the ocean. And the mighty shoulders in this description are actually a mountain. We're told that this set of hills is the western outlier of Arid Wethrin, the north fence of Beleriand. And that this mountain itself is Mount Taurus, westernmost of all the towers of that land. And we're told more here as well. This tower is Mount Taurus, the westernmost of all towers of this land. And it's the first sign that a mariner crossing the sea would notice to know that they are getting close to Middle Earth. It's also a symbol that we are close to the halls of Vinyamar. And we're given a very specific explanation of what that is. Eldest of all the works of stone that the Noldor built in the lands of their exile. This is the first hall they crafted after coming to Middle-earth, back from Valinor. There it still stood, desolate but enduring, high upon great terraces that looked toward the sea. The years had not shaken it, and the servants of Morgoth had passed it by. But wind and rain and frost had graven it, and upon the coping of its walls and the great shingles of its roof, there was a deep growth of gray-green plants that, living upon the salt air, throve even in the cracks of the barren stone. This is a wonderful combination here. We're given insight into a few different things. First of all, the things that the elves make last a long time. And secondly, the evil of Morgoth has not 
decayed or destroyed or inhabited this area. That although it is alone and desolate and abandoned for a significant amount of time, the only thing that has affected it is nature. And maybe even in a positive way, green, gray-green plants live on the roof off of the salt air and in the cracks of the stone. The earth has taken it back. The nature of the world has grown into this place. Much like many elven locations, nature is a key part of it and is beginning to take this back. And that's not all that Tour finds here. He discovers the ruins of a lost road, which he passes, and it says here, amid gray mounds and leaning stones. And he came as the day was waning to the old hall and its high and windy courts. No shadow of fear or evil lurked there, but an awe fell upon him, thinking of those that had dwelt there and had gone. None knew whither. The proud people, deathless, but doomed from far beyond the sea. He's still continuing to follow the path of the Noldor, the path of Turgon and his people. This was a hall that they lived in before, but was abandoned. But it didn't feel evil and dark. It just felt ancient and mysterious. He looks back out across the sea and then back up into the sky for the swans. And then we're told this. Then he turned back again and saw that the swans had alighted on the highest terrace and stood before the west door of the hall and they beat their wings and it seemed to him that they beckoned him to enter. So Tour goes up into this hall, up the wide stairs, now half hidden with plants and other coverings, into this high pillared hall. We're told that if great it had appeared from without, now vast and wonderful it seemed to tour from within. And for awe he wished not to awake the echoes in its emptiness. It's almost as if he feels like the spirits, the ghosts of the people who were previously here might still be in the walls themselves. Nothing could he see there save at the eastern end a high seat upon a dais and softly as he might he paced toward it but the sound of his feet rang upon the paved floors as the steps of doom and echoes ran before him along the pillared aisles it's as if that even being in this place reminds him of the doom of these people but maybe also his own doom, his own future, the fate that stands before him now that he is in such a great place. And then Tour discovers something left here, items that will define the rest of his story. As he stood before the great chair in the gloom and saw that it was hewn of a single stone and written with strange signs, the sinking sun, again, we get another sinking sun moment, drew level with a high window upon the westward gable, and a shaft of light smote the wall before him. This isn't the only time Tolkien has used a setting sun 
to have a beam of light do something important. And glittered as it were upon burnished metal. Then Tour, marveling, saw that on the wall behind the stone there hung a shield and a great hauberk and a helm and a longsword in a sheath. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.